Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Hey, if you love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and strength, would you praise His name today? Come on, Healing Place. I'm glad to see... I'm glad to see that more than ever, people are still being healed in this place. Can I have an amen? amen. And uh, I, love, I love this church. The hand of God is on this church. Uh, the early church, the scripture says that God's hand was with them and many came to believe. I was thinking about it during worship. And by the way, give it up for the worship team. When you, got, when you get to heaven, you're going to want to come back here on the weekends. I know you are. Uh, but I, I was thinking about how many decisions for Christ have been made in this place? How many marriages have been healed here? How many single people have met their spouse here? Yeah, yeah. How many people came in here broken and addicted and, and, uh, and they, they met Christ? How many people have been reached from inside this church to outside this church? And, uh, and I just want to tell you, uh, do not mess it up. Uh, because we need this church, all right? And uh, I'm a Cajun, and I'll eat anything that lives in a ditch, any Cajun uh, brothers and sisters. And, and uh, man, I, I was thinking about this also during worship. Um, I wish I'd have had a church like this when I was growing up. And uh, the church I grew up in, it was, you, some of you know my story, it was very legalistic. And um, no life there no presence of God, and the people did the best they could, uh, but man, when you don't have the Holy Spirit, you, you can get mean and judgmental, and uh, it was like a prerequisite to go to that church. You had to hate everybody else. I went to the meanest person there was my Sunday school teacher, and uh, I always tell people her finger was 30 foot long, and she'd point and say, hell is hot. she talked like a man, and uh, hell is hot. She talked about hell like she was born and raised in hell. So one day she said, don't you want to go to heaven? I said, not if you're going to be there. So that was my church to come here. I told you guys that before, but to come to a place like this, man, if somebody with the word of God, a Bible in their hand would have walked across the room to encourage me and to pray with me and to be there for me during worship. You may not even know this. During worship, they, they took me and I said, where are we going? Because I knew I was speaking today. And they said, there's some men who love to pray, want to pray over you. I said, all right. Man, it was in that moment that, like I've been struggling this morning. Is this the right word for the people? And, and there, there's warfare sometimes when you're trying to obey God. Isn't that right? But man, it was in that room that I connected with God. So I'm full of his spirit right now. And I also want to thank you for having a church that has the joy. Rachel and Mike, the staff here, full of the joy of the Lord. Can I have an amen? amen? I didn't grow up in a church like that. They'd sing about joy. We got the joy, joy. But they didn't have any joy, no joy. The fact that we go like this, we got the joy, joy down in our heart. And everybody would say, where? Y'all remember that? So that's my story. I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about the lies we think. The lies we think. 
Some of you are extremely insecure. And, um, and that paranoia and that insecurity, it's tough to walk into a room when you believe lies instead of truth. It's tough to build a relationship when you believe the lies more than the truth. A lot of people are extremely insecure, not confident in what God is calling them to do. Let me be clear. The Lord will never ask you to do something that is cake and easy to do. It's always going to be something that scares you. That's intimidating. I know I'm trying to serve him too. And I try to keep it simple. It's one of the reasons why I like being in this house. It's a house of dreams, dreams for God. But when's the last time you dreamt a dream for God? What are you afraid of? The lies we think. Okay, raise your hand if you remember when you gave your heart to the Lord. You can remember that? Okay, the day before that, you didn't, your, your spirit was not alive, okay? This is what Jesus talks about being born again. And, and, um, but the next day after you gave your heart to the Lord, your mind was still the same. When you get saved, he gives you a new heart, but he doesn't give you a new mind. That's why we need the word of God. That's why I love this church. They teach the word here. If you're going to come here, you're going to get the word. Why do you need the word? Because it renews your mind and changes the way that you think. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. And the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That word stronghold is the word akarama. And it basically means, please get this, strongholds. It means a prison of lies. It has a lot to do with the way that you think. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Prison of lies. When the Lord asked me to leave Louisiana and to go to Arkansas to start a church, in a place I only knew one family, and I didn't know them well. I was scared. I was leaving crawfish in Boudin and going to a state where they called the hogs. That's, that's a different place. And they speak banjo there. Have you ever been there? Hey, now. I know now, now. And now, now, now. Okay, they don't talk that. So I knew I had to go there. And so we, we moved... And I typically am a confident person. Uh, you just have to buy into that to, to get this story. But after I went there, I was, am I crazy? And the person who has prayed, like some of you have a grandmother or an uncle or a mom, a dad, maybe even one of your children, that when they pray for you, you can tell. So my grandmother, Mama B., if you could ever meet her, she's in heaven now, but the way she would, she would talk, oh, Rick, oh, Shabu, that's what she called me. <laughs> so I would always go to her house to pray for me when I was having insecure times. And so then I moved to Arkansas. The first service was coming in like a locomotive. And I was thinking, man, I'm not ready for this. So I called my mama to come in and be a part of the first service. Because I knew if she could just pray for me that I'd make it. 
Problem is, she was dying with cancer. She was down to 80 pounds. Called her about 30 days before the first service and I said, hey, Momo, she said, oh, Rick, how you doing, Sha? I said, Momo, I'm doing good. I just need you. I need you to come to the first service and pray over me right before the service. I need you, Momo. She goes, oh, Rick, you don't know this, but I'm not doing good. I'm down to 80 pounds. I haven't been out of the house. I said, Momo, I have somebody come get you. I'm not asking you to drive. She said, oh, Rick, I just can't. I'm too sick. So I didn't want her to feel bad, so I just said, it's all right, Momo. You can pray from there. Oh, Rick, I'll pray from here. This lady was so sweet. She could win more people to the Lord just walking through a store than most people can deliberately. She would answer the phone, Jesus loves you, and people believed it. (laughs) So we had our first service, and it was 30 minutes to an hour before the first service. And there was a knock on the door. And I said, come in. And when they opened that door, it was my frail grandmother, about 80 pounds. She said, oh, Rick, I just had to come. I was like, Jesus loves me. She came over and prayed over me. And that prison of lies, I felt I felt the change break off of it. This happens in moments when you're with the Lord. Do you have anybody to pray over you around the strongholds and the lies that you think? The world is so loud, and the enemy's tactic is to be loud in his lies. The Holy Spirit speaks in a still, small voice. It's not as loud as the chatter around you or the lies that you think, but it's truth, and the truth will set you free. So I got to ask you, are you listening to the whisper of the Holy Spirit or to the volume and the decibels of the world around you? Look at this verse, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Look at this. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And look at me for a minute. Then it gives three parts of his will. He doesn't have three wills. He's just got, there's progression in it. And as you stay in the word through the newing of your mind, you see the progression. Because, because it says it's, it's one will, three faces. Uh, it, it, his good, that's one face. Then pleasing, that's another part of it. And then perfect. It's like progressive. Like when the Lord starts telling you the truth, it's like, wow, that's good. But as you stay around truth and the word, like come in the church every week, like you don't want to go out there without hearing the word. Then all of a sudden it starts pleasing you. Like, I'm, I'm, I like this word. And then it becomes perfect. Like, I don't want anything else but his word. Okay. So to study something, when I was in Bible school, they, they would teach us the law of first order. And theologians would teach on this, like if you wanted to know the purity of a word or the purity of doctrine, go to the first time that it's stated, and this is where you can learn the most from it. For example, uh, in the garden, this was an incredible place, Adam and Eve uh, were not in heaven, it was earth, but it was like a portal from heaven to earth. They would have never died. They were walking with God in the cool of the day. They had it made. 
By the way, if Adam and Eve would have been Cajun, we'd have no problems. Because they would have never eaten the apple. They would have eaten the snake. Thank you very much. God bless you. I'm going home. But here they were. They had it made. It was a perfect place. And God said to them, he was giving them truth. It was the lies they started believing. The truth is they were with the Lord. What can be better than that? But the Lord said, this is all yours. This is good. But I don't want you to eat from that one tree because it'll kill you and I love you. He didn't mean a physical death. But he did mean separation. So Satan, his tactic, he starts showing up. Does it now. Hey, I don't really think that truth is really the truth. I think if you eat from that, you'll just be more like God. You'll be closer to him. You'll grow. And so then they ate of it. Question. When they ate from it, did they become more like God or more like the serpent? It's the lies that we are told that we ultimately agree to or live under. And that stronghold, it's a prison of lies. Satan's number one goal in his life, it was the same in the garden, it's the same now. It's for you not to grow any longer in your relationship with the Lord. He doesn't want you to meet God, and then once you do, he doesn't want you to know the truth of God's word. My insecurity for years was being in the ministry. Like, just didn't feel qualified to do it. It was like a prison of lies. Let me show you the progression. Like I thought, I'm a bad pick. This is a, I'm a horrible choice. Through the years, I still don't think I was a great, I'm a great pick for ministry for what I do. But let me tell you the difference. Through the washing of the water of the word, I still don't think I'm a great pick. But I know he picked me. I know he picked me. Maybe you'll never feel like you're the best. Maybe you'll never have the most confidence to walk into a room and to change the, the work environment where you work. But you can know that God called you there. Pro Proverbs 4 says, carefully guard your heart because they are the source of life. So here's some points, some three, three biblical principles we can learn from. Number one, if you're taking note, my thoughts... They control my life. Let me say it again. Your thoughts control your life. Proverbs even says, as a man or a woman thinks in her heart, his heart, so is he. My thoughts control my life. Okay, uh, my wife is a health nut, and uh, all she eats is like kale and stuff like that. I mean, you can't be full of joy living like, right, like that. She's happy, but I don't understand how. I said, babe, you know you're still going to die. You're just going to die with a nasty taste in your mouth. <laughs> but not me. I'm going free. But here's the, here's the deal. In, in, my, in my office... Uh, I have these things, they're called Dove chocolates and they, they cover peanut butter. Like how many like Reese's peanut? Okay, well this is even better. Like, like you come into my office, but here's what I've learned. I can't eat one. If I eat one, I'll eat 22 of them. So I've learned how to, to negotiate this problem. So what I'll do is I'll eat one, but I have to, here's what, I, what I've done. 
If I pick up one and I go in my truck and I eat it out in the parking lot, I will get out of my truck and go back in and get another one. Okay. But if I go to my truck and drive a mile down the road, I will then turn around and go back to my office and get another one. But if I go two miles down the road, I'm safe. I don't turn around. So the, so the question has to be, why don't you just take them out of your office? I'll tell you why. Because I like looking at them. I like knowing they're there. It's the way it is with strongholds. We just like looking at them. I used to be really good at golf. I was a professional golfer for a few years. You can look at me and tell I'm an incredible athlete. And, uh, but, but, okay, golf's not a sport. I get it. But, but I, I used to know how to work. Like when I was over the ball, I knew, I knew how to hit it. I knew how to hit a knockdown shot, a cut shot, a high shot. I could work the ball. So I knew where to aim. Now I'm no longer good. And I'm horrible. I'm a 10 handicap, and so now when I'm over the ball, I don't know where it's going, so I don't know where to aim. And this is exactly why the truth will set you free, because you're moving forward, but you don't know where to aim because of the lies that entrap you. Even in the Old Testament, thoughts matter. God didn't say before he had Noah built the ark he didn't say, hey, I'm going to destroy mankind because of their evil ways. He said because of their evil thoughts. Thoughts matter. The mind is the battleground for sin. We think temptation is something out there, but it's something that travels with you. Let's just say you have a stronghold of pornography. So you look at pornography and, and then uh, you sort of encapsulate it. Like you shut down that and then you, you try to do your life. Like, oh, it's something over there. I'm just trying to have victory. No, no, it goes with you in your thoughts. Everywhere that you go, it's still like some of you during worship, you were trying to worship the Lord, but you remembered, man, I just got this problem. I, I got to get over this problem. But you won't bring it to the Lord because of the lies that are attached to it. Romans 7, says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner, back to that word again, prison of lies, prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Basically, Paul is saying this, I love the Lord. I want to serve God. Raise your hand if you love God with all your heart. You may even like Christ but you're not Christ-like until you let him renew your mind. Paul was saying, hey, I love the Lord. I want to serve him. I'm going for him each and every day. I just try my best, but to see another war, it's in, in my mind. And every time I try to do the right thing, I end up doing the wrong thing. I want to do the right thing. This is what he said. Read Romans 7. I want to do the right thing, but I keep doing what I don't want to do. I'm trying to do what, I, what God wants me to do. I end up doing what I don't want to do. And he's like, who's going to rescue me from this prison of lies? Oh, yeah. Thanks be to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Next chapter, chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen to me. I've been pastoring for 31 years. 
I love that verse. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But let me say something that's going to sound like heresy just for a second. I've seen tons of condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So is Paul wrong? No. He's right. But it's illegally attached to you. It surrounds you with your thoughts. Like some of you, you want to go for the things of God, but it's like, I can't do it. I want to serve God, but I can't do it. Our thoughts can be reset by the Spirit of God. Does anybody agree with that? In fact, nobody else can do it. Satan can't control your thoughts. God will not control your thoughts. We are the gatekeeper of our own thoughts. Here's the point. You're as strong in the Lord as you want to be. It's like I'm not in good physical shape. You picked up on that? And, but I'm as in good a shape as I want to be. I just don't like the pain of going over there and working out. You're as strong in the Lord as you want to be. So I just want to encourage you to run to the Lord because he starts renewing our lives. So how do you renew your thoughts? Number one, I must feed my mind truth. Okay, here's, I've been thinking about how in the world do I explain this to you? Because some of you, you're recipients of the word. Like you come here and you take note and you really want to learn. You, you, you read blogs and you open up scripture. But it's like a cycle. So I was reading, I was studying about the Jordan River. The Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee. It's uh, so full of life. I've been there. It's really not a sea. It's fresh water. It's a lake. And, and so this river flows to it. And people come from all over the world, really go from all over the world just to fish there. It's so vibrant. The Jordan feeds it. But interesting enough, the Jordan River then leaves the Sea of Galilee and flows all the way to the Dead Sea. Think about this for a second. The Jordan River goes to the Sea of Galilee and it's full of life. But then the same Jordan River goes to the Dead Sea and it's full of death. Why? Because the Sea of Galilee allows it to move to it, but then out of it. Where the Dead Sea is just a recipient. It never allows it to wash through it. I would love to be a part of this church because I would always know that I'm getting a steady word. But uh, the scripture has two words for the word, word and the word. One is the word logos, which means written word. And the other is the word rhema, which means revealed word. The written word is powerful, but really it doesn't become powerful until it's rhema like, man, look what the Lord is trying to say. And then you become an instrument of his. So the reason why I'm bringing this up, because I love to read. Raise your hand if you love to read. I've read many books through the years, but every book I've ever read in my life, I read it. But the Bible reads me. Library of Congress has 530 miles of bookshelves. 29 million books, but only one is alive and active, and that is the Bible that resides in there. And it wants to bring life to you. The scripture even tells us, talking about lies, the scripture even tells us what to think about 
Whatever campus you might be at, it says in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. It says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Telling us how to think. So whatever you've learned or received or heard from me and seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Even in John chapter 8, verse 32, let's look at this. Then you will know the truth. Everybody say, know the truth. And the truth will set you free. I'm talking about prison of lies. Do you know the scripture does not say that the truth will set you free? Because it will not. The scripture doesn't say the truth will set you free. It says to know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. Not just being a person who hears the word, but you know the word. Number two, I must take my thoughts captive. So here's a quick assessment of our thoughts. I just want to go through this. Some of you, and I don't talk about this much because I'm sort of not, I'm not a teacher that's like, be positive or stop being negative. But just for a second, I want to go there just for a second. Some of you are extremely negative. What you think about the prodigal son? The, the prodigal son, when you teach on the prodigal son, there was really two prodigals. One left because of the lies of the world, and the other left because of the lies in the house. And I, and I just want to tell you that when you are negative, it's like God doesn't love me. Life is never going to get any better. Everyone is mean to me. My kids are not treated fairly. I prayed for God to use me, and it's like he's just using me. No one knows how hard I work. No one really cares. If I was to leave this church, no one would even notice. It's these lies that just whisper inside of you. So here's what I've noticed. Some of you, if you don't allow your mind to be renewed, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to think, I need to leave this job. I need to leave this city. I need to leave this small group. I need to leave this city or this church. But the problem is the lies go with you. The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water the grass. I've seen people through the washing of the water of the word have the same job, but they go through a new set of land. Like, I don't hate it here anymore. The Lord is renewing my mind. Same place I go to work, but I'm not the same when I go to work. Here's another point. Some of you are fearful. Loaded with fear. So I, I love, love to give this analogy. Uh, how many of you want to go to heaven someday? This is a good time to raise your hand. You want to raise your hand on it. My hands up. My hands up. I'm a Cajun, so I keep everything simple. So let me do it right now. When you get to heaven, it's going to freak you out. Like when you see the glory of Jesus. When you see how big he is. Let me tell you what I think about. When you see the fire in his eyes and he looks over you at you, the opposite of the way my Sunday school teacher looked at me. When he looks at you with all that fire and that power, but he loves you and he's glad you're there. Not going to be the same after that. 
But there's one strange verse that I like to teach on from time to time. And it's this verse that says that He's going to wipe away every tear. Okay, how many like that? But let's zoom in. What are we going to be crying about in heaven? What tears is He going to need to wipe away? Well, I actually don't know. I've studied this, so I have no answer, all right? So I'm just going to conjecture. Maybe the tear will come from this. When you see how huge He is, how powerful He is, how amazing it is to be in His presence, maybe the tear will come from when we think back to now and think, why was I so afraid? Why did I always hesitate? When the church had vision, why was I the last one there? When it's time to be a part of it, why did I pivot away? If I would have known he was this big, I wouldn't have been so afraid. Do you know how many people uh, choose a major in college that they hate because the one they're called to do, they're too afraid to try? Do you know how many people used to uh, come to this church with you and they walked with you and prayed with you, but some friction happened and they left and a phone call could heal the relationship. You're too afraid to make the call. What are you so afraid of? I know these thoughts my dad uh, told me, and he'll be at, at one of the services today. My dad told me when, when, when he was raising Randy and I that he would have these dreams that we were walking down the hallway with our arms cut off, just screaming, help, and he'd wake up in a panic. Well, I started having kids, and I didn't have any of that, but then when they got their driver's license, it started changing. But what had happened to me is I was always afraid they were going to have a serious car accident. Some of you have had that happen to a loved one. So respect on that. But I were, just from time to time, I would I'd be in my house and my kids would go to leave. I'd run out and say, put your seatbelt on. Drive safe. People are crazy out there. Text me when you get, no, don't text, don't text me. And I just realized, man, I am bound by fear. This is controlling my life. And then some of you are so critical. Wish I was married. Wish I wasn't married. Wish my husband was different. Wish my wife didn't always complain. Wish I had kids. Wish I had different kids. <laughs> Music is too loud here. I hate this preacher. Church is too cold. And it gets mean sometimes in church. Pastor Mike, I had a lady come up to me at a store not long ago. And she goes, I always see you on the screen, but in person, you look a lot fatter in person. So, so I was like, praise God. I'm so glad to be your pastor. He was awesome. So Mike said this to you one time, and I want to give it to you right now. A hummingbird... All day long, flies around and looks for things that are sweet. A vulture flies around all day long looking for dead things. So, a hummingbird all day long finds sweet things because that's what it's looking for. But a vulture all day long finds things that are dead. What are you looking for? This is the reason why I love the Word of God. It changes the way that I keep score and what I am looking for. 
And then the last thing I want to talk to you about is I must remember how amazing His will is for my life. Okay? So I'm going to give you this. Here's the, here's the picture. Okay? Jesus kept telling the disciples, He goes, look, I'm going to, I'm going to die. Don't be grieved. Unless I go away, the Spirit will not come to you, the Comforter. I love the Holy Spirit because He's a... He's, he is the comforter. His name is called the spirit of truth, the spirit of guide, but also the spirit of comfort. He's like the anesthesiologist before the surgery. Like he doesn't just take things out of you. He comforts you to know that it's good. So one day he dies. And there was so much going on at that time. Think about it. Peter and Judas, the way that they were thinking, they were buying the lies. One betrayed and one denied. Jesus is dead and they feel blamed for it. Peter's like, he told me I was going to deny. And I did it three times. I can't believe it. So he's just, he's just like, I'm not even a follower now. I'm going back to fishing. I'm a loser. And, and Judas, he betrayed. So he thought, you know, uh, immediately he had regret with that. So they both moved into a pattern of lies fact Judas so much so that he committed suicide he just couldn't take it anymore he never got to experience the the love of Jesus so when Jesus rose from the dead he told these ladies he said hey ladies uh, go get my disciples and it's so interesting what he said after that he said and get Peter why did he say that because Peter no longer believed that he was a disciple. I'm convinced if Judas hadn't committed suicide yet at that time, he would say, hey, ladies, go get the disciples. Don't forget my boy Peter and please get Judas. Like he is amazing at forgiving people. Can I have an amen? So that's that. But Jesus is, he's rose from the dead and he's, he's risen now and he's walking down this road called the road to Emmaus. And all these people, they're just like, so depressed, like kicking a can going down the road. Just so negative. This is the worst thing. We're losers. And Jesus, this is so important. If you just get this, we're going to do better. Jesus literally walks up. He's, he's like showing up to different people, walking through walls and talking to people. It's like, wow. So now he's walking behind He's risen from the dead. He's walking behind them. And he says to them, he goes, hey, what are y'all so depressed about? And the Bible says that they turned to him. But in their defeat, they didn't even recognize that it was Jesus. Listen to what they said to Jesus. They said, sir, are you the only one in all of this land that doesn't know what happened? Lies will make you stupid. (laughs) Jesus keeps walking with them, but then later on when they were eating together, communicating together, the Bible says, because they were hearing his words, the Bible says their eyes were open and they realized this. It doesn't say that they realized that Jesus was sitting there. It's better than that says their eyes were open and they realized that it was Jesus the whole time. This is what happens when you're no longer in the prison of lies. It's like, 
Man, I see it. I see it different now. So he was there the whole time. I thought I was alone. He was there. And I just want to ask you, I double dog dare you to get alone with the Lord sometime today and say, Lord, what prison am I in? What lies am I believing? Because I want some truth. Maybe the results after that is you'll need to make a few phone calls to apologize to a few. But listen, the hand of God is on this church. This is a healing place. Since you're in this place, let's be healed. So we can then in return minister to people who are still living lives. He's a good God. He's amazing at forgiving people. Let's serve Him with all of our heart, soul, and strength. Can I have an amen? Because He is good. He's worth going for. So my Sunday school teacher was wrong. God doesn't hate me. Doesn't want me to go to hell. He wants me in. And I thought that God wanted me out. I'm so thankful I got out of that prison. Let's get out of yours. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.